Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop with the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, podcast whiz, and newlywed man from Massachusetts, Tony Zipteris. Tony, happy Monday. How's it going? Happy Monday, Will and Jerry. Almost almost time for full-on draft season. we got a couple more NBA Finals games to get out of the way, and then it's full-on off-season and draft. So I'm excited to jump on the podcast and talk to you guys about it. He's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, the general manager of a WNBA champion, an Indiana basketball hall of famer, and the true pride of French Lick himself, Mr. Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, pleasure to have you. How's it going? Well, it's great to be with you guys. Everything is going well here on a Monday. Only going to be 100 today so uh, here in Roseville, so, so like, like spring. <laughs> so we're going to get started. Um, we're going to get started uh, kind of dancing around the draft, not necessarily talking about prospects, but uh, about some uh, technical things, maybe some little trivialities that I wanted to talk to Jerry about. The first thing we wanted to get, get to um, was the news that the Kings are locking down their pre-draft process a little bit. Tony, would you mind uh, walking us through that just a little bit here? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it done this way before. Um, and of course, we're still sort of coming out of the pandemic, depending on, you know, who you what you want to believe, or how optimistic you are. Um, and so other teams are running some fairly normal pre-draft workouts like every other year. I saw, you know, Moses Moody was in with Indiana. The Wizards were announcing their pre-draft workouts. And um, Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee came out with a report. I think it was last Friday where he was explaining how the Kings have been holding pre-draft workouts for a while now. They just uh, aren't doing any media availability and also haven't been announcing those workouts to the public. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons why we can speculate they would be doing that. I'm sure they could put some of the reasoning behind COVID. Uh, there's probably other strategic reasons why, but it's also just, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's definitely a different approach to not only how the Kings have done it before, but how other teams are doing it right now. Jerry, and I wanted to get your, uh, Tony was talking about strategy here. And so I wanted to pick your brain on this a little bit. What would be a reason that you could see that the Kings would just kind of shut down all news coming in and out about the Sacramento Kings draft process and not allowing people in necessarily to see or hear who they're, who they're uh, looking at and why they're looking at them. That's a great question. I'm not sure that I I don't really know. Uh, You know, it's one of those things to where, Generally speaking, uh, you like to have as much uh, interest in the draft as you can if you're in the lottery. And so uh, you'd want the media to be involved in a very limited basis, you know, where you see who, you know, and basically a a team is trying to show, hey, we're bringing in a lot of guys, we're working, blah, 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 and uh, trying to create, uh, you know, interest for the fan base by uh, allowing as much information as you can without hurting your workouts, you know, to where you can't have media allowed while you're really going through the complete workouts with the guys and you should. But uh, so this is surprising to me, especially honestly at this time, because uh, you guys know better than me, but I, I think at this time, boy, you, I think you'd kind of want to do anything you can to kind of inspire the fan base or, or create whatever interest you yeah. can. 
I, I, I wanted to pose this question only because we talk about it a little bit on the King's Herald and, and uh, on Twitter and whatnot. But it, it seems to me like the, the consensus could be that they're either trying to, uh, you know, it's kind of a smokescreen season here, that they're either trying to keep it at bay that they're, one, they're moving the pick and they, they, they're getting something else for them. And so they're trying out guys outside of their range and knowing that we would, you know, people could kind of assume what they're doing or other teams could kind of hear what they're doing based on that or that they're trying to move up in the draft and they don't want to bring in a guy who's a number four guy or another, a number five guy and kind of telegraph what they're doing in that way. Is there any, is there any, uh, is there any logic behind that Jerry and Tony, or, or do you think this is just kind of a, a mystery that's nameless in general? Well, I, you know, my thought on the, uh, the idea that, yeah, I'm sure they're trying to would be might be trying to move up. I, I would agree that's a very much a possibility. The problem I think with that is that I don't think they get any fours fives to come in until until that's happened. I mean, if sure. you know, with the Sacramento Kings, agents just aren't going to send a guy in, uh, you know, a Suggs or or a Kaminga or or Green on a whim just because the Kings say, we think we might be able to move up and get this pick until uh, they get it. They, they're not coming. Yeah. I mean, the Kings have had a hard time getting players in, in previous years when they've had like the number two pick, like, you know, so I doubt anyone's going to come in here sure. with the uh, assumption that maybe they'll, they'll jump up. I mean, and that was one reason why I think I'm not saying this is why, of course, when the Kings don't tell us, we have to speculate. So I think one other element to this is that if you don't bring in good names anyways, Maybe it's better that you're not publicizing your inability to get those top lottery picks here because you don't want to uh, fuel the narrative that prospects don't want to come to Sacramento, which already happens all the time. We saw it with Moses Moody. Um, He was doing some stupid Instagram poll, and it was – Will, maybe you remember the details to this, where it was either him or – Kai Jones. Yeah, Kai Jones. Who do you want? Who should come to Sacramento or something? And Moody didn't vote for himself. And people are already blowing that out of proportion, taking that to mean, oh, Moody doesn't want to come to Sacramento when really he was just voting for his friend in a poll, possibly. I mean, we don't know exactly why he did that, but there already is that narrative that the top prospects don't want to play in Sacramento. Free agents don't want to come to Sacramento. So there is an element of, you know, maybe the Kings are hiding their inability to get the top prospects in. But I also don't think it's a it's a very efficient system no matter what their idea behind it is because some of those names are still coming out uh jason anderson has done a very good job reporting some of the names that have come in and they really haven't brought in anyone who's in that nine pick range but we have a a workout tracker going on the king's Herald right now where you can see you know the 20 or so prospects the kings have either interviewed or brought in for workouts even though they're not putting out press releases saying who's coming in we're still finding out some of the names that are coming in so whatever the Kings are trying to do with, with not revealing this information or not um, inviting the media to come interview these guys, I'm not sure it's really doing a whole lot because we're still getting some of those names. Yeah. You know, on to that point too. And I, uh, Tony is exactly right. I mean, one thing about it, information will come out because agents certainly of guys mm-hmm. who have no chance of being the ninth pick are going to make sure, you know, their guys coming in somewhere where there's a ninth pick. Uh, you know that's that's also the way it works yeah that's that's part of the quizzical nature of this is that we live in an age of social media where you can you can 
you can shut the hell up, but players and agents aren't ever going to. Right. Uh, I know we're hearing Vrenz uh, 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 Bleisenberg. He's been he's been posting pretty much every couple hours where he is in Sacramento and where he was in Oklahoma City. These players themselves are posting, oh, I'm in Sacramento and I'm doing a workout today. And and nobody's stopping them from saying that. So it's quizzical that the Kings would take a stance on, well, we just don't want you to know from us who who's coming in rather than hearing it leak out through reporters or agents or players themselves. Yeah. And, and Monty McNair has been this way since the Kings hired him. I think we've talked about it before his uh, he rarely speaks to the media. And I actually think he, he did a, had a really nice uh, encouraging um, end of season press conference. I'm not like criticizing him heavily for this, but I just think this is something McNair has done since he got here, which is playing things very close and, uh, not speaking to the media often in general. So it's surprising in that the Kings haven't done it this way before, but it does sort of line up with how McNair has run his front office so far. Yeah, I think, I do think uh, with Monty, I think, uh, you know, less is is better for the most part. I, although having said that, I think uh, when he does have, and he should have uh, press conferences or whatever, occasionally, and, uh, you know, basically be a little, be kind of forthcoming. So, I mean, I'd give him a, a good solid B so far, personally, uh, I think, you know, there's just no reason to think you have to come out and, and be the media's best friend every, every week and give them inside info. Um, mo- moving kind of a little bit further down the track here. Um, uh, one of the other things uh, uh, in re- re- revolving around this draft process is every single year we hear this, but um, over the last two weeks, it seems like the Kings have been kind of at the center of these rumors uh, around draft promises and guarantees. And so I wanted to not necessarily boost the reports, but more get your guys' opinions on, especially Jerry, on uh, – so so I guess I'll start here. Um, we've heard reports of the Kings uh, being a lock from certain people to take a Corey Kispert at number nine, while other so-called in- insiders uh, from Chad Ford to a random uh, Michigan fan slash insider uh, made it known that the Kings have already made a draft promise to Franz Wagner. And so uh, I wonder, first, Jerry, um, is there a world where you would make a promise to to a, a draftee 16 days out from the draft? Uh, there'd be very few po- situations where that would be true. I, I mean, I could see cases in the past yeah. where they did that and it made sense. Uh, Mari Stoudemark in Phoenix, for instance, uh, basically had him in and knew that he was special and said, don't visit anywhere else. We'll take you at. 10 or 11 or whatever, wherever it was. And, uh, but, uh, in, in, but that's an exception. And, and I think there's been a lot more cases of guys being promised somewhere and then not happening because, <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, it's like, unless it's a, uh, you know, the old saying, uh, a promise is just that unless it's in writing. <laughs> and uh, probably everybody's went on a date understands that uh but uh yeah i, I just I, I just to me it yeah. just makes no sense because things are so uh, volatile in the draft especially the lower you go down i mean if you're 9 10 15 well there's always guys show up that you didn't expect to be there uh type thing Tony, you were you were somebody who was pretty critical uh, this week of of those kinds of things, um, especially pointing out that the Kings at the same time were pointing that you know that the Kings were talking to Corey Kispert, even though the reports were that the Kings 
hadn't even spoken to him yet, and yet that he was being a, a lock to to being taken there. Um, do you have any opinion one way or another on this? Well, it's just it's funny that the two names that were that were rumored as locked for the Kings uh, that came from these very these smaller accounts, which happens every year. You've got guys around the draft who are kind of I don't want to say you know clout chasing, but there there is this. Um, you know, everyone wants to be a reporter. I would love to have, I mean, if I had inside information, I'd tweet about it too, but I'm just, I have some morals not to do it when I don't have anything. Uh, but it's funny that those two names that came out in Kispert and, and Wagner, and maybe there, maybe those people have heard legitimate things, but uh, someone that we do know actually does their reporting and the sourcing in, J, uh, in Jason Anderson came out and said that those are two names the Kings have not spoke to or interviewed or worked out yet. So it's just funny how that works where, um, the names that come in from sort of the, the people you don't, uh, and I'm, I mean, Ford has gotten so many things wrong on the Kings before. So I, I'm more talking about him. So it's just funny that Ford, I think called uh, Wagner. Um, what was the word? He used a very strong word. I, uh, in inevitability that he would end up in Sacramento. I mean, that doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room to be wrong, uh, when you call something inevitable, but that's also a guy that the Kings haven't even spoken to yet, according to a, a more local source. So I just think that's that's always a fun little dynamic. But it's draft season. I mean, you got to expect this stuff. Yeah, so many of the uh, – with the internet being what it is, there's so many experts, draft experts and stuff, that get their inside information from agents or each other or just want to be – you know, it's the old uh, I'll throw something out there, uh, you know, and just see if it sticks or how, what kind of interest it can create. It's like – uh, I always say that's like trade rumors. I mean, most of them are just ridiculous based on nothing. And they've always been that way. Now it's worse than ever, <laughs> you know, yeah, where, absolutely. where, where, you know, each, each uh, person has their own agenda. And so they're looking for great deals for their teams and they're throwing crap out there saying that these, this is the deal that's going to happen. And, you know, it never does. I'm, I'm curious, Jerry, is, is there a, a, is there any situation where you would make a promise as kind of a, a tactical move, knowing you're not going to take somebody, but as a way to keep them from working out from somebody lower and, and, or would that be something that an agent would just eat you alive for later on down the road where it's like, Hey, you, you screwed me over with promising a Franz Wagner to take him. And then he ended up falling because he didn't work out for anyone lower than, than what you'd promised him. Well, yeah, I, I would, I, I just think it's immoral. I mean, you're, you know, to do something like that, uh, yeah. you know, basically at some point you, you don't want to hurt young people. Uh, they're trying to get the best job they can get. So, uh, you know, I'm not, don't haven't said that. I, I, I think there's people capable of that. Don't get me wrong. Sure, <laughs> I've known sure. some that would, would do that, but, <laughs> but, uh, if in my mind it's like, no, it, it, there's not enough advantage to do that to, because you know, that it is the draft and you don't know, you know, how sure can you be that this player, if he goes, you know, you know, how good he's going to be anyway. And so, uh, but, but to, to, to take a chance on risking and hurting somebody's career, uh, it just, it just makes no sense. Well, with the history of the Sacramento Kings too, the one time we know, uh, or that, that is kind of publicly known of a promise to a player was CJ McCollum, who CJ McCollum said that the Kings were going to draft me. And then Ben McElmore fell. They kicked C.J. McCollum to the curb. 
and and the rest is kind of history. So I, I think promising players hasn't really worked out for the Sacramento Kings as it is. Yeah, and if the you know, I don't know if it's a fact. You know, we're assuming that it is, and it certainly could be. I mean, it wouldn't surprise us that it is. But <laughs> but I mean, it is one of those things. It's okay. Uh, what you did was wrong, and you deserve what you got. You know, sure. I mean, really, that, that's okay. Karma is a bitch. <laughs> you, if in fact you you practice, uh, promise CJ, you should have taken him. And and regardless of who's there, if I, you gave him your word, and if you're if that's what your word's worth, then okay. Guess we see the results. The uh, the next the next topic here that I want to move a little bit further into is uh, trade scenarios. Obviously, the Kings need to make some sort of move in order to either make space for Rashawn Holmes or to drum up the fan base, whatever, whatever agenda we want to have with the Kings. It's kind of clear that the Kings need to, to do something in this off season and coming around draft season, that number nine pick is a, is a, is not just a nice sweetener in a deal, but a, a good catch for somebody. Um, but we also hear trades and errors from other teams. Um, something like new Orleans is looking to, to trade the number 10 pick for an established veteran that can help them win right away. Um, then you hear uh, young players that other teams don't necessarily want to extend long-term in uh, Cleveland's Colin Sexton. Have you heard any deals, uh, either one of you guys, that, that interest you or, or at least kind of uh, uh, tickle your fancy a little bit in terms of what the Kings could do if they're not making a draft pick or they're looking to acquire more draft picks one way or another? Uh, you know, I haven't uh, at all. I, I mean, I've kind of sniffed around a little bit what little – few people I talked to and uh, just uh, at least uh, if the Kings are doing some of that, uh, Monty's doing a great job of keeping it quiet. Uh, I do think that, you know, I, I'm sure they would like to trade the pick if they could get something uh, that they like. I mean, and, and you, and you, or use it as part of a deal, but I haven't heard anything definite. And certainly as you mentioned, I don't think it's a secret about, Sexton, I think everybody knows he's a good player, but I don't think anybody, including the Cavs, want to pay him what he thinks he's worth. Uh, you know, and that's that's the kind of thing that's coming up. I I I still think that uh, John Collins is a guy that will be tradable uh, because I I mean he's good, uh, but really with you know with uh, Hunter and uh, some of the people they have that were out with injuries uh, that we saw the, the Atlanta Hawks. I think they could, you know, he's a guy to me that 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 could be there for the taking if you want to pay him a lot more than he's probably worth. Is there any situation, Jerry, where you could uh, that where you would would find it to be a good move to trade for Colin Sexton with the Cavs, you know, already having the number three pick and committing to kind of a rebuild? Uh, obviously, they've got their pick of Jalen Green or, or, or Jalen Suggs there, and maybe they want an extra pick and you can send them the nine and. Marvin Bagley or the nine and is there any situation where you see that as a good trade for the Kings in terms of fit? I don't, uh, you know, he's a talented guy, but I'm just not sure he moves the needle for the Kings. Uh, you know, you, it's not to say you could make the case that he's better than buddy. You could make the case that he's better than Halliburton or almost as good. You can make all those cases. I don't know that any of them are true. Sure. Uh, what we know is he can get 20 points a game on, really bad teams. Uh, and, you know, and like I've said many times, every losing team has a leading score. And I, and, and, and I think he's good, but I, I kind of see Sexton going forward as more of a third guard. 
And I don't think that's what he sees himself as. Uh, not, not right now, you know, two or three years that it may work mm -hmm. out, but I think, uh, anyway, so I guess in long story short, I, I, I like him and I think he's worth a lot of money. I don't think he's worth anywhere near <laughs> what he thinks he does is tony is there any is there any uh of these rumors or these uh so-and-so may be available or so-and-so pick might be available is there anything there that interests you i'm i mean i'm certainly the most interested in the ben simmons thing because i think he's the the clearest most elite player that you could actually get that solves a lot of the king's problems but i i mean it's hard for me to see the king's having the best offer there i like sexton maybe a little bit more than jerry but m mostly because he's young and some of the, the win-now names we've been hearing about, whether that's Kristaps Porzingis, who's not that much older, or, you know, there was a time we were talking about Al Horford, or, or maybe that was just me talking about Al Horford. But all the names you hear uh, as being available are guys that I don't find very appealing because they're either older, so the Kings would be in a position where they're trading some of their younger assets for someone who's only under contract for a couple of years. And if you don't make the playoffs in that short window, then you just gave away some of your future for nothing. So... I'm personally much more interested in guys like Sexton or John Collins who are going to get overpaid, but at least, you know, you've, when you've traded your young thing for them, at least you've got a player who is entering their prime and you've still got them under contract for, you know, hopefully four plus years. I agree that Sexton isn't a great fit, but I like the idea of going for someone who's 22 and improving versus someone like Porzingis, who is, you know, he's still in his twenties, but he does, he's not very healthy and it seems like he's sort of on the decline. He could, you know, he could turn his career around with some consistent health possibly, but those guys who are sort of uh, already have their NBA warts versus guys like Sexton or even Simmons who are still sort of hopefully getting better. So maybe you win out on the back end of those, on, on those potential trades. I agree too, you know, a little bit in the, the Simmons thing, you know, I mean, he, to me, he's got his flaws. We all know what mm -hmm. they are. And, and, uh, you know, he was the first pick in the draft for a reason. He's been all-star several times for a reason and, and a good, very good player on a big winner for a reason. And to me, that, to me, he's the guy that if you could make the right deal, and I don't think the Kings can yeah. probably, but if you could make the right deal without just hurting yourself too much, uh, he makes you better. I believe he's the guy that could actually move the needle. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't see Sexton moving the needle. And, and I really think, I guess in a nutshell, to me, this needle me needs moved. Yeah. It needs moved. <laughs> it's really hard to find guys that do that. I mean, would Siaka move the needle for you, Jerry? I mean, that's a guy that you kind of hear. I think he would. Yeah. Yeah. I, would I mean, health, uh, healthy Siakam, you know, playing like, he can. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know who you get in the draft uh, right now, as, as good as he is right now. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, there's guys that could pass him by within a year or two. But but yeah, he's I, I think that guy's an awfully good player on both both sides of the ball. And, and that's something. Well, the Kings don't have anybody like him. Yeah, I would put him and Simmons in a in a category of their own, just among the names you hear floated around that you can. I mean, nothing's a guarantee, but it's like, all right, if the Kings get these guys, they will be better. Where a lot of the other names, it's like, yeah, like maybe they'll be better, but you don't know for sure. Um, but those guys are, feel like a little bit more of a sure thing to me than the rest of the names. I'm, I'm curious only because I, am, uh, I'm the, I was the proponent of tanking last year. Um, Jerry, do you, do you feel like there's any chance that uh, Monty McNair doesn't about heal? 
and goes, uh, we probably need to pick up another draft pick or we, we need to ship out some of our older guys for some younger, more talented, cost-friendly uh, uh, draftees. Is there any chance that you see uh, Monty McNair does something like that in the offseason instead of going for a more seasoned veteran? You know, I, what I could see is certainly I could understand his thought process doing that. I mean, you know, I mean, I, but I also think there's probably some other circumstances that's going to prevent that from happening. <laughs> I, I just don't yeah. think it's going to happen. But yeah, on uh, the grander scheme of things, you could certainly make that case that this team, whatever you have to do to make it better, uh, you know, now, you know, you, if you can't make it better quickly, uh, then you better make sure you can make it better. <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm in favor of making it better quickly, but, but I mean, it, it's not, it's just not a clear case. You can do that. We know the ninth pick is going to do that uh, by itself. Sure. So, uh, but we also know, I think, you know, from just watching the playoffs that some of these teams, how, how marvelously yeah. they've improved by adding a veteran or two via trades, free agency Absolutely. or coaching, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, and it wasn't a draft that did it for any of them. Uh, so so there is, I mean, in other words, if I guess, I guess on a perfect world, if you could tell me, well, the Kings could be like the Suns, they could go from non-playoff team to a championship contender, uh, you know, in one year, well then why in the hell would you want to tear it up and wait five, six years? <laughs> but it's, All we need but to do we, is wait for another Chris Paul. Just wait for another Chris Paul. <laughs> uh, I'm also curious on your guys' uh, only just so that way we can run the full thing. With so many teams uh, that are kind of, I mean, the, uh, the to stick to my idea, the Toronto Raptors and and the Golden State Warriors, who have the fourth and seventh pick, do you see uh, uh, do you see where the Kings could have the the assets to move up, whether or not the Kings would do it or not? Do you, do you guys see that as a as a possibility? And and if so, who for? Well, I, I think the, with the Warriors, I mean, they're not having, they don't have any interest in the draft. Not really. Right. Uh, the, the draft right. only is what it can bring them as far as helping them get back in serious contention for, for the West crown that type thing. And you're not going to get that likely with the picks. And so, yeah, I mean, anything you can do and the Kings have some, some assets. Uh, so mm -hmm. to answer your question, I don't know what kind of deal it would take, but uh, I, I would have to think the Warriors might be a, not that you, you want to do anything that'll make the Warriors better, but if it makes the Kings better, of course you, you know, you worry about that later. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think there could be something there because we know, I mean, you just have to know they, there's, you know, with Steph and Clay, uh, Draymond, I mean, uh, clock's ticking on them. They're, they're, they're clock's ticking and they're really, and they're damn good. And, uh, but they need, yep. They need something better than James Wisman to turn the corner. I wonder, Jerry, is it is it worth it uh, to 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 trade significant assets or or your veteran players to move from a nine to a seven in this in this draft? It, it wouldn't, in my mind, uh, unless you're just you know, you have to be convinced that what you're doing is sure. special. But I always go back to the Milwaukee Bucks trading yeah. the nine for seven to get tractor trailer. And gave up Dirk Nowitzki, so sure. so I I know they were sure at the time, <laughs> and so I mean we just have to I, I think that's just a risky proposition, and I think in this draft, like most drafts, yeah, you know if you could go from nine to three, 
you you know, and not have to give up your franchise. Well, you right. you, you know, the Kings, I think it'd make a lot of sense uh, because you think you you know you got a chance. You think of getting a, a star in the making, and not a, with the in my mind, with the exception of Cade Cunningham, you're not going to get a star uh, right away. Uh, I think he's probably capable in the right spot, probably Detroit, of, of putting up star numbers quickly. Tony, any interest in that? You can, if you can get to the top three, that'd be fantastic. You know, Cunningham, Mobley, Green, I think that's a pretty clear top three at this point. You'd love to get into that mix and get one of those guys and maybe get a franchise-changing uh, type player. I don't think you can, the Kings can realistically get there from nine unless they're uh, putting Halliburton on the table, which I, I wouldn't do and I don't expect them to do. But if you can do something like, let's say the Kings lock in on a guy that I know me and Will both like, and I think Jerry might've said something too, Scotty Barnes. Like, let's say they really like Scotty Barnes and he's there at six for Oklahoma city, but they don't really want Scotty Barnes anyways, but they'd take somebody else. Uh, and they're fine moving down from six to nine. And for that, they get Marvin Bagley because they're a rebuilding team anyway. So, Hey, now you've got, you've got this other young chip, like something like that. I could see, you know, is Marvin Bagley worth getting, two spots higher in the draft when that team you're trading for doesn't necessarily want the guy you're targeting anyways. And you're just jumping over one or two teams to get the guy that you really like. I could see something like that, but it, it doesn't seem like the Kings and maybe I'm reading the situation wrong are interested in getting younger. It seems like they want to get older and more win now. So I don't know that trade, like if I could put a likelihood percentage towards all these different scenarios. I think trading out is the most likely after keeping their pick and then trading up is probably the least likely. Uh, even though I would love to see them go that route. I just don't know if that's really in the cards for them. Well, I do think like Tony, I mean, I, it, unless you can get the third pick, uh, you know, that's kind of where mm-hmm. you feel like maybe, and, and, and even there, I mean, whether it's Suggs or Green or whoever, and, and I love Suggs, but I don't know he moves the needle as much as Green does for you. So you have to take that into account. I mean, it's it, just because of current guys you have. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> I, I just think that that the, the team, this team right now, is is just not going to be too thrilled with another nineteen-year-old guy that isn't ready to as good as yeah. Tyrese Halliburton was. And, and we all, and we all love him. And for good reason, the guy's really good and going to get better, but he didn't, the record was the same, you, you know, I mean, <laughs> not blaming him. I mean, I think it's a credit to him that it was, it ended up being as good as yeah. it was. He yeah. It was big, like he, big, they canceled it, bogey out almost. And that yeah, was they, much they, exactly right. I mean, yeah. they would have without Tyrese being better than any of us could have expected they end up with the same record that they wouldn't have been been at by four or five games, probably. So let's get to a to a last piece of real Kings uh, King centric news here. Um, just just today, it was announced that Terrence Davis is turning down his uh, qualifying offer um, to become a free agent or a restricted free agent, and he's looking to make nine million dollars a year or something like that. Jerry, I, I want your opinion on uh, whether or not you'd bring Terrence Davis back and and what you'd be willing to pay him if you do. Well, I like Terrence Davis. Uh, I mean, I think you, you know, it's one of those things with, uh, with Wright on board uh, and certainly Fox and Halliburton and Buddy, you, you've got five pretty darn good guards. I mean, so you're guard. Now, the problem I have is that if you draft uh, and you draft a guard, then to me that, that has to impact Terrence Davis. Uh, 
Sure. I mean, it just you, you just can't you just can't even though you might draft somebody quite honestly isn't as good as he is right now. It could very well happen. Uh, so, uh, but I'd like to keep Terrence Davis. I think he's an NBA player. Uh, I think I like Wright better if I had to choose, not that we're asking to choose, but yeah. I just like his versatility more. Although Davis to me is a great insurance against Buddy Heald. Uh, I say the, the value to me of the Davis is it allows you to maybe move Buddy for 70 cents on the dollar sure. uh, and, and still be ahead. Tony, is this somebody that you would want to, uh, uh, to, to bring back to the Sacramento Kings and would you be willing to, uh, to match a contract that's $9 million, $10 million? I thought Terrence Davis looked pretty good during those final 27 games after the Kings acquired him from the Toronto Raptors, but I don't think he looked $9 million good. And also any team could have had him at the deadline for a second round pick. His value around the league just wasn't that high. And part of that low value is his off-court issues, but I just find it hard to believe that a team is going to give Davis nine plus million in restricted free agency and tie up their cap space for a few days to do it when they could have had him a few months ago for basically nothing. So is a team really going to tie up their cap room for a few days while the Kings determine if they're going to match or not? I don't think that's going to happen. So I hope the Kings don't negotiate against themselves. If they can bring back uh, Davis at a reasonable price, fine. Um, but if they hand him nine million before he hits restricted free agency, that's a concern. And I mean, the Kings need to get better. They, uh, if they spend whatever ownership determines is their free agency budget on retaining their own players, I don't know how they're supposed to get better. So I guess that's my other concern. If they just run it back with the same roster and expect a different outcome, I don't think that's going to work, especially if they do that at the, you know, letting those players pick their own price. It's different for Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes is a much more important and proven player. But for 27 games of what Davis gave us last year, I don't think that's a $9 million player. Um, and, and even if it is, let him go find that in restricted free agency. I don't think the Kings are are in the business where they need to retain this guy or they're in trouble. Um, I think if Davis wants $9 million, great. Uh, I don't know if there's a team out there that's going to give it to him, and that means the Kings don't have to give it to him either. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you know that that was a hope number. Uh, and, and so, uh, but, uh, but I, I, I certainly agree with Tony in that it doesn't here again, just keeping the same guys. Uh, but in my mind, unless you could move by keeping Davis and you knew you could move buddy and, uh, create quite a bit of space. Uh, I don't think you're that much worse off on your guard line and then maybe can keep Holmes. And so, you know, that way, but, but I, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to feel like I could, uh, you know, do something significant trade-wise to, uh, because here again, uh, I just don't think you can, whether you love Rashawn Holmes or not, and I know some of the fans don't, but uh, he's an asset. And boy, oh boy, uh, you know, ask the Celtics how good losing assets is, uh, you know, how, how good they got by losing Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. How'd that work out? So we, uh, I missed my opportunity to get you guys' predictions here on the NBA Finals prior to the NBA Finals happening. But uh, I wanted to talk about the NBA Finals for a little bit and just gauge your general opinions on them before I, before I force you guys to pick at this point um, who you think is going to end up winning. So, Jerry, what, have you, what are your thoughts on the NBA Finals? Well, I've enjoyed it. I'll say that. I, I mean, I think, the, uh, I think we've got a series. I do think we've got a series now. And I, the, the, I, you know, I honestly really enjoyed the Suns team more so uh, just 
they got a little more depth, a little more fun to watch. But having said that, I think Drew Holiday is the key to this series. When Drew Holiday scores and is aggressive offensively, and he is an impact on defense, uh, when Drew Holiday's at his best, I think the Bucs have a – if he'll be at his best the next several games, they actually have a chance. And, and I, I understand he's not their best player and all that. Uh, but that damn guy is a ball player. And, uh, and, and he, he can impact the series – you know, almost as much, certainly not as much as a Dedekumpo or Chris Paul, but I think he's a more valuable player, honestly, than Devin Booker. Uh, I, I think he's, I think when you look at the totality of what he does, and I think his biggest flaw is he has never understood how good he really is. You know, he is uh, probably more quick to uh, kind of blend into to lesser players than, than any really terrific player I've seen in years. So I guess in a nutshell, I, I'm picking the Suns. I'll make it, I think, I think, but I think it could be certainly six or seven. And, uh, uh, you know, I think Monty Williams will figure out a way to slow down Adeta Kumpo eventually. Uh, it's tough because, you know, the offensive players, when they get to shoot free throws by driving into people, which is the league now as an offensive player, if you can find a way to jump into somebody, you get to go shoot free throws. And, and so uh, they'll have to, they'll, they'll have to figure out a little better wall on him and then hope that uh, Middleton and, uh, and, and Drew done does not make their threes. So, but I, yeah, I'm, I'll take the Suns, but I think we've got a nice series and, would not be upset if the Bucks won because I, I think with all the criticism of Dada Kumpo's had to take over the years, uh, obviously he's a little bit of a flawed player, but he's still a great player. And Budenholzer, uh, for all of his great success as a coach, it's like he, he's almost treated like uh, he's uh, Elmer Fudge. You know, I mean, it's like, geez, uh, give the guy credit. He 60 win seasons in Atlanta and 60 win seasons in Milwaukee. Maybe, maybe he's doing something right there. It's not like, you know, it, it, it's not like uh, Parrish, Bird, and McHale are walking through the door there in Milwaukee. You know, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they're in the finals. Yeah. Tony, what's, what's something you're taking away from these finals? Um, I, I mean, it's, I, I've had a really good time enjoying and it, it seems like the ratings are not as bad as people thought they would be, which is exciting to me as a basketball fan that we can have two, I guess you would call smaller markets or at least less famous teams in the finals and still garner a lot of attention from everyone. Cause I, I mean, my friends are all talking about the finals and, uh, talking about Giannis and the Suns, which is great. I love that. Get some new teams in there. So I'm enjoying the games. First of all, um, I'm glad that the injury thing hasn't been as big of a story as it could have been at least these two teams. I mean, Giannis didn't look great in his first game, but he's been like excellent and he looks pretty healthy, which is exciting too. You've got two pretty healthy teams uh, competing for the finals. And I'm, I just, I can't, I'm a uh, unashamed Giannis fanboy. I love Giannis. I think he's the most likable star in any league uh, in a very long time. I got no complaints about Giannis other than his flaws on the basketball court, which if he wins, some of that conversation will go away. I do think the free throw conversation is funny with Giannis when we've spent the last month clowning him for his free throw shooting and intentionally following him and teams and coaches telling their players to follow this guy. And then Monty Williams last night is complaining about how many fouls he shot. It's like, dude, 
your whole strategy has been to foul him and make him shoot free throws. Um, so I'm glad that he's hitting them. Uh, I'm glad they won last night and I'm rooting for the bucks the rest of the way. We'll see what happens, but that's sort of my, my thoughts. And I can't, uh, I'd be very happy if Giannis won. So that's my, that's been my primary objective since the first round. So I'm going to keep riding that all the way through. I think this is really the first time in, in at least a decade where I would be happy for either team that wins. Like I, I, I think the Bucks absolutely deserve it. I think Giannis has has put his team on his back, and and would be it would be great for him at least nationally for people who like to talk a lot of smack about him or his shortcomings. I would love for him to win a championship and kind of rub that in people's faces. But I'm also I also find myself watching the Suns and and doing the worst thing that I possibly could with the Suns and getting hopeful about the Kings. You know, mm-hmm. when I watch the Suns play, I'm like, or I see these, especially when you see you know. Phoenix going crazy or, or the fans in, in Milwaukee going crazy. I look at the Suns and I'm like, we're, we're there. We're that close. We're, we're, we're one Chris Paul away, but we're, you know, that I, I, the Suns do the worst thing possible and they make me hope for the Kings. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that I've enjoyed watching these finals. I've enjoyed just kind of letting my, my heart swing with each game and who, who I want to win or, you know, who, who I think deserves it more and more, but it is one of the first times in a long, long time that I'm just, there's no villains in in this finals. You know, you can try to make Chris Paul or Devin Booker, but there are no villains in these finals. No, I, I, you know, the other thing it strikes me is that I I really think both these teams and franchises have done so many good things. And I, you know, you look at the Suns, and I mean, yeah, we, we get the Chris Paul thing. He's truly great. And, and of course, the addition of Jay Crowder sure. was outstanding as well. So they but but I mean, just look at the, I mean, Monty Williams, in my mind, you look at the, de- the development of of Aiton, of Mikhail Bridges, how much better they have gotten in the last year or so. That's encouraging. And how about Cameron Payne, for God's sakes? Right. Yeah. Uh, he was he was a forgotten man and he is a real player now. And then, you know, you, you look at the Bucks, uh, you know, the same way. I mean, Bobby Portis, where was he? He was there for anybody, sure. uh, you know, and I mean, I think he's, you know, good coaching, good chemistry, good star players, uh, leadership, that sort of thing makes role players better. And, uh, you know, it's some of the things we talk about all the time, but sometimes you don't really appreciate it until you see it, yeah. that yes, mm-hmm. At the very top, uh, if if things are in place, uh, some of these secondary guys actually, oh, they're really good after all. Didn't know that. And uh, anyway, so we can dream yeah. and we <laughs> shall dream. Yeah. yeah. I do love how the Suns have, you know, three players still on rookie contracts with like huge roles in uh, Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton. It does give a team that's drafting at nine Again, if you want to give the king some hope, like, hey, you can get a guy at nine and or maybe it's a wing or, or whoever who can be an impact player on his rookie contract when you're actually ready to compete. Because the Suns, I mean, all three, uh, Cam Johnson, Aiton and Bridges have had huge moments in the playoffs, again, on rookie contracts. Uh, and again, I mean, that's largely due to how great Chris Paul is as a leader and a veteran, you know, getting these guys to play at a higher level than they probably would have thought of. I mean, Aiton has said very explicitly that, Chris Paul has made him a good player and he just was not that way before. So 
uh, the Kings can can do those parts. They just need to do the hard part, which is getting the Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, it's a uh, get get that one get that guy <laughs> that makes you fifteen yeah. games better. You know, and I mean, and there's there, you know, history proves they're, they're out there, and it also proves there's not many of them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Robbie Beagler, this is another thing that I, I'm constantly watching in this, but um, uh, Robbie Beagler brought it up today and it, it just came to the forefront of my mind when Tony was talking. But as good as campaign has been, and I think he's been fantastic and it's, it's a great story, especially when you come from, you heard reports and there's a famous uh, line that, you know, f- you know, four minutes into their first practice, they kn- the Bulls knew that, that Cameron Payne wasn't a player, you know, that, uh, that they'd made a mistake or whatever else like that. Um, and it's great, but the one thing I can't help but think every time I watch Phoenix is if they had just taken Tyrese Halberton over Jalen Smith, how how much uh, uh, how much scarier this team would be? Not even in the short term because I think he would produce right away, but in the long term, that you know having Tyrese Halberton under the tutelage of Chris Paul, and then when Chris Paul eventually you know one day Chris Paul's hamstring is just going to say no, and 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 he'll and he'll retire and he'll. Yeah. And he'll do other things and be great at those things too. But how Tyrese Halliburton, how good he fits with Devin Booker and how scary the Phoenix Suns would be for the next six to eight years with Tyrese Halliburton as their starting point guard or, or him and Booker running the 1.5 guards. And uh, uh, one, I'm very excited to have Tyrese Halliburton. Two, I, I mourn that, that I didn't see a universe in which Tyrese Halliburton is playing with the Suns team, but also – how absolutely scary that would be and how I'm glad we've kind of avoided that apocalyptic future in which the Kings still might have a chance somewhere in the Western conference, because we're the guys that got them instead of the Suns. Well, too, you know, the thing I always say about the Suns is they, they like most teams in the lottery, most of their lottery picks didn't work out. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously Devin Booker Mm -hmm. was a late 13th pick and he's a star and Aiton and Mikhail Bridges, but there's been about five or six in the meantime that they missed on. But it also goes to show you Mm -hmm. if you get two or three out out of five or six and, uh, of course, more importantly, have those veterans that uh, fill in the gaps or make up the gaps, uh, you can. Well, I mean, Phoenix, Phoenix and Atlanta were just the true amazing stories to me that were were worse teams than the Kings going into the bubble and, and became, you know, obviously uh, way, way better uh, without using the draft as, a, as part of it. And I, so I always think that's encouraging to know that it can be done that way quickly. Uh, you know, you don't want to count on that. And that's why I'm still, I'll still hope above hope that with Bagley and the pick and maybe whether it's a buddy that Monty can put just, you know, if you can get a couple of better pieces, a couple of better assets out of those three or four things. Uh, it's not, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And, 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 you know, you see it proven to you every day. And, and those teams, like you mentioned, Atlanta and Phoenix, they did not uh, come out of nowhere, right? They made improvements in the off season. Like they went and did it. They didn't just run it back. So again, I hope, I hope the Kings don't just run it back and see that, you know, Phoenix and Atlanta didn't come out of nowhere. They made really good moves in the last off season and it paid off for them in this season. So that's, that's the hope, you know, go out and do something. Yeah. You know, and to that point, and I've made this before and I mean, it, you know, but I mean, New York's another great case. I mean, they, they had a lot of, they, they really couldn't do much, but they hired a great coach 
you know, maybe maybe it's a short term thing. I don't care. It, it's really yeah. it, it, it's going to be awfully good for <laughs> several years. OK. Mm-hmm. And, and Thibodeau. And then he uh, due to who he is and what he knows and what he needs. He goes out and gets a Derrick Rose and Todd Gibson. Now, Todd Gibson's not much, but he was much for them. And and Derrick Rose was terrific for them. In other mm-hmm. words, if they don't get him. None. Forget John. I mean, Randall was the best player, but if they don't have Rose, they don't make the playoffs. They just don't. And uh, and a lot of teams could have, you know, Derek Rose is, you know, viewed differently by different people. But Tom Thibodeau says I can coach him and he can play for me. And uh, and sometimes that's that's what it takes. Tony, I never got your I never got your locked in pick of the week here. Uh, who are you taking in this final? So I know you said you're rooting for the Bucks, but who do you think is going to win? I think I actually do think the Bucks are also going to win. I and I, it's funny how like Phoenix is now in this very interesting problem where they don't have someone to guard Giannis when Aiton is out of the game, and it's like you don't think that it means that much to get like your third string backup center situation locked in, but wouldn't like wouldn't James Jones love to go back in time at the deadline where you could just get one other body that could at least follow Giannis for for 10 minutes so they're not totally screwed when Aiton's out but that's how you know that's how the playoffs work out sometimes but uh yeah I think the Bucks figured some things out last night and I think they will if Giannis can stay healthy I think they do okay. they I got do I got one other thing to talk about before we get to our Patreon question of the day and that's um uh, I want you guys opinions on whether or not you watched it or not uh the team USA uh team USA versus Nigeria game in which uh Nigeria uh um, actually came out and, and, and beat Team USA uh, in a 90 to 87 exhibition match. Um, the King or the Kings, I'm sorry, the uh, Team USA had been uh, 54 and two in exhibition games since they started doing this in 92. And uh, just, uh, just less than a decade ago, beat Nigeria by 83 points in the London Olympics. And so I'm, I'm curious uh, whether or not, uh, Jerry, Tony, you guys have any takes from that? Obviously, Chimezi Metsu played. Um, uh, and uh, fo- a former Stockton King, Gabe Vincent, was the lead- leading scorer for Nigeria. So I just wanted to get your general opinions on this before before we move to the wrapping up the show here. Well, well, I did watch a good bit of it. I, I will say, of course, a guy that press, has impressed me a lot on and off all years, Precious Achua of, uh, of Miami. I mean, you can see the, the player in there. He's, he's got a ways to go, but, but I haven't said that. I, I mean, I think the thing I would say even more than the USA team, uh, Nigeria uh, basically has figured it out. They get a, a good, a legitimate coach and Mike Brown and certainly quite a few NBA caliber players. And then you've got NBA caliber players who are hungry as opposed to NBA caliber players who are in some cases are kind of diva divas right now and not hungry. And, 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 and coach Popovich probably didn't have them ready to be honest with you. It's the way it looked to me. They were going through the motions and until they realized they were in a game and then it's, it's tough. So uh, it's good lesson. I I don't, I think the American team will still be, should be the best. Although, although the, the, you know, it has become a world game. It really has. And, uh, as we see in, in the NBA, the, when half the best players are not from America, True. Uh, you know, you didn't take a, a math major figure out that things have changed. And, uh, and this would be another, another little quick reminder. I did not watch any of the game, full disclosure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a wild take out there that um, 
we'll see how, how it plays. But with Team USA, uh, it'd be nice if we returned um, how you make that team to a little bit more of a meritocracy because uh, I think a lot of people have said this, Kevin Love probably shouldn't have a spot on that team any longer. And I also think it's interesting that because De'Aaron Fox burned Team USA uh, a couple of years ago where he backed out at sort of the last couple of weeks before they were finalizing their team, he wasn't invited back to even get on the select team. So I'm not saying a guy like De'Aaron Fox changes uh, any of their hopes in the playoff, in the Olympics or in these qualifying matches. But I do think if USA uh, does get bounced or if they do look bad against Nigeria, I think part of it is uh, the politicking that goes into getting some of these teams put together where it's often not uh, either the best team or the best guys. And it's kind of just who that coaching staff either has good relationships with or or uh, maybe if bridges were burned beforehand and don't want to let those guys back in. So I don't know. I, I could do without the politicking of how you get on the roster and uh, giving, you know, maybe some veteran spots that they, they no longer uh, deserve based on their play. But so if they lose, they lose. Um, and if they win, then I'm wrong. Yeah, you know, too, I, I do think it's interesting to note that uh, I, I agree with everything you say there, Tony. And I think it, it not only meritocracy, uh, but guys who really want to be there, not feel like they it helps yeah. their brand or mm -hmm. uh, that sort of crap. Uh, do you really want to play? And I, I, I'm just thrilled the fact that a booker, I think, and uh, wants to, as soon as the playoffs are over, he's going to join the team and a couple other guys that uh, really want to play in the Olympics. Uh, well, that, uh, that's important. And uh, I think we've lost a little bit of that. And, and I, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, and, and I understand that they, they you know, to show loyalty is nice, but, but it, that's really not, shouldn't be the deciding factor, <laughs> you know, that, 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 uh, that when it comes down to something as important as the Olympics, uh, that should be uh, kind of a, uh, on a, on a scale kind of fourth or fifth on the line somewhere, uh, just how much you've been available to us. Uh, but if you can't play anymore or you're haven't played well for a year or two, then, then no, we'll move on. Yeah, and this uh, I remember I saw um, Keldon Johnson was promoted from the select team to the to the full team for that uh, exhibition, and you know Keldon Johnson's a fine player, I like him too. But is he on this? Is he on Team USA if Pop isn't that coach? I would I would guess probably not. I would guess probably not if it was yeah. a different head coach. But that's all. Well, I think oh, Pop's going to be under some heat. I mean, they've yeah. got to win. They've got to win, and uh, you know certainly with it, at his age and uh, you know the team. San Antonio's become more of a human, <laughs> normal mm -hmm. kind of franchise now. We'll we'll see how that plays out. So, uh, anyway, I'm uh, I'm expecting a, a gold medal, but uh, then I have been, yeah. you know, and I and I think in the grand scheme of things, it it was more about Nigeria than America. I think they mm -hmm. credit to them uh, for making the changes they did. You know, I think this is less of less than a black eye for Team USA. I mean, it's it's lightly embarrassing for them, but they only I think they said that they only had four practices before this game happened. But I do think that this is big in terms of I, I there's nothing better in the basketball world than teams thinking that they could beat Team USA. I think in terms of good basketball, in terms of 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 just for me as a viewer, I want nothing more than every single team on earth thinking hey, you know, Nigeria can do it, we can do it too. And yeah, sure, maybe they've had more practice or maybe they've blown out this other team by 95 points the game before. But there's, there's nothing better than, than watching a team that thinks that they can win, win. 
or 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 at least bust their ass and and have some of these team usa guys have to fight for it because i mean we're we're spoiled in terms of the level of talent that we've got and and uh you know obviously anytime team usa can be put in its place a little bit even though i will root for them to win a gold medal i i still want good games more than anything and i think this is the best thing that could happen in terms of me as the viewer wanting a good game you know, I, I think you're right. I think we are spoiled, and I think we're fooled a little bit. Sure. I've always said, I think that's why I wish the uh, NBA would have an all-star game featuring American all-stars versus foreign all-stars because there's clearly enough foreign great players that's in the NBA right now to win. Absolutely. And just to just be a reminder that, hey, uh, you know, America can't take this for granted uh, right. any longer, any longer. And uh which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Sure. Uh, which is a good thing. I mean, America's mate has truly are the reason that it's a global sport. Sure. And we're seeing seeing more and more great basketball players come from everywhere. And of course, a lot of them use the uh, the United States college system in order to to uh, upgrade their games too. But anyway, just those are my thoughts there. I, I just can't help but think about, you know, 10, 15 years from now, there's going to be a, a kid that comes from Nigeria or, or or somebody from Slovenia or somewhere else that watched the game the other night. And that was the moment they got inspired to be like, you know what, I actually do want to play basketball. Or I do want to take this serious. And they're going to be kicking the shit out of, out of the Kings on a, on a Monday night. And their reason for getting into basketball was a game like the game against team USA the other night. And I'm, I look forward to that. Like I'm, it, it only helps to improve the game when other people think that they could do it too. Well, that is why fellas, the, that my Jerry Domus uh, <laughs> thing is that someday, and it won't be in my lifetime, but it'll be in yours when they will be a world basketball association and there'll be leagues in, in Europe, in Asia, in America. And uh, it'll all be pretty much centered around tele television ratings and television audiences to where mm -hmm. probably you know chicago won't have a team it'll be chicago area with milwaukee mm -hmm. chicago and indianapolis is, that'll be their team mm -hmm. and it'll be all based on uh huge markets madrid right. rome and uh but uh it's but to my mind that's great that's yeah, great i'd watch that but like yeah. I say you you guys i really believe you'll get to see it i won't but but it, it has to happen it has to happen mm -hmm. I look forward to that day, Jerry. That there would be nothing better than that. Okay, so let's go to our uh, Patreon question of the day. Tony, take it away. All right, guys. The question this week. I know we're going to do a, a much bigger um, draft podcast. Uh, maybe a couple of them coming up here shortly. But I want some early predictions. Um, I'll ask everybody this question, and we can all uh, either look smart or dumb at the end of the day. But this question uh, once again is from the uh, Chain Mail, which is a um, <clears throat> weekly-ish. Uh, question and answer column that uh will griffith does and this week he did it with tim and two of our draft guys brendan and bryant and um i wanted to ask you guys a similar question that was asked here um the question this week comes from kang's forever and he asks uh and we'll start with jerry assuming no one crazy slides put it all on the line here who would you take at number nine in the draft as of you know july 12 2021 you know i will say this i read kings forever I, I don't agree with everything he says although uh he really has some strong opinions and and back and backs it up i uh, very 
impressed with his work, quite honestly. And I will also note, uh, or Brendan and Bryant, they do a marvelous job on the dra draft stuff. I, I, I think mm -hmm. uh, probably the Kings would be smart if their scouts would read some of that. If it, it would do a do a service, but anyway, uh, you know that's a great. Uh, don't want to cop out because I, I don't know how that's going to play out when you get to nine. There's always two or three people there. I, I, I will say yeah. this. I, I'm higher on one player than I'm pretty sure Kings Forever is or any of the rest of you are. And that's uh, Davion Mitchell. Uh, I don't think he's a need. Yeah. I, I don't know that it, it moved the needle. I don't think he can fail being a really good NBA player. Uh, I think uh, to me, he was where I, I like him a lot is because I think he can stay in front of you and you can't stay in front of him. And sometimes it's that damn simple. And I, I think uh, I'm old enough to remember Joe Dumars at Northwestern Louisiana and uh, you know, going 25th and uh, he's pretty good undersized, too small, too small to play two guard. Remember that uh, how'd that work out? I, I mean, you know, uh, I, I just think the guy and, and probably, you know, I've been wrong so much who has, uh, you know, anybody says won't admit to being wrong a lot are just liars. Uh, but uh, I think this guy will be a really good NBA player. At, and uh, I would rather have him than Wagner. Uh, just just for instance, you know, if Scotty Barnes were there, of course, I, I, I'd take him just on potential, not on. Not on what he's done, but on what you think he might do, and that's always dangerous too. But I think uh, I just think as ninth pick, we're getting a guy that uh, you know, he, uh, in my mind, uh, has a couple of things. Uh, uh, his game translates to the NBA currently, so I'd, that'd be an end for me. That'd be a thought anyway. Will, who do you got at nine if you had to make the pick today? Assume, assuming, assuming no one slides. Assuming yeah. my draft crush, uh, Scotty yeah. Barnes, is now out of range for us, and I've mm -hmm. I've hyped him so much that he's now going far beyond what we can reach. Yeah, you've you've <laughs> caused it. Will. Yeah, thanks, Will. I, you know what? I I got a, I, and I don't want to I don't want to say who it was necessarily, but two games into Scotty Barnes's college career, I wrote uh, during one of these mailbags that man, I'd really like Scotty Barnes. I think he fits the Kings really well, and I I got taken out back with and beat with a hammer. I mean, I had I had some people really give me some smack for it, and now he's out of the king's range at ten, and I'm really sad that I fought that hard for him. Remember their name. Always. I've <laughs> got it written name. on the wall. I'm coming for all of them at some point or another. Um, assuming Scotty Barnes slides or doesn't slide, I apologize. Um, this is a tough one because I think there's a lot of high upside guys. There's a lot of guys like a Davion Mitchell who uh, he has a he has a high ceiling, but he also has a high floor. You know, he could just end up being Pat Beverly, but that's a really good, like that's a good player to have under contract for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got guys like Franz Wagner or Moses Moody. I, I still, I still lean on, um, uh, I, I think my pick right now is still Alperin Shingun. And, and I think just the, the combination of him being um, so good in Europe at, at such a young age is, is a big pointer to that. I think that, a guy having really good footwork, um, having a low post game a bit, um, being an excellent passer um, out of the post, out of the top of the key. I think that opens up a lot of things for the Kings to do. Now, is he a good, is he a good defender? No. Will he ever be a good defender? Probably not. 
but I know that he he's a fantastic passer for his position. He, he will at least be a, a good to, to very good offensive player. And, and the thing that kind of tips him over for me is he busts his ass. I mean, when you see him play, he's not walking up the court. He's running up the court. He's one of those guys that wants to get better. And I'd rather take a risk on a guy who I know is going to be a good offensive fit in the NBA and would be a, a, a good wrinkle in the Kings offense, um, even if it does take him a year or so to really get settled, um, and then hope that he becomes a an average NBA defender or, or somebody who can at least not be played off the floor. Everybody gets played off the floor at one point or another. You know, Rudy Gobert gets played off the floor regularly and he's defensive player of the year. Yes. So, so having the right matchups, that's from, that's for a good coach to decide or a good coach to figure out how to keep him on the floor. But in terms of talent, in terms of upside with the Kings, I think Alperin Shangun is still my guy right there at number nine. Will, I, I probably agree with you there, but just to add to this, like I, I love Shengun as well. I loved watching him uh, for Turkey in those um, qualifying games. And I, I, I like him for all the reasons you mentioned, but just to throw a different name out there, uh, I do think um, I am coming around a little bit more than maybe I was a couple of weeks ago on Moses Moody. And that's partly because of Bryant's, uh, Bryant's propaganda that he's been feeding me for the last two months. Um, but he does seem like a, a good middle ground between, uh, you know, you love um, Franz Wagner's defense at the wing, but you would hope for a more complete offensive player. So Moody is, is sort of, I can see the argument for Moody being the best of all worlds, playing a position the Kings need. I mean, every team needs wings, but can also play defense, but can also score on offense and he's, you know, he's young, he's strong, he's long, he's all the things you would want in a wing. So, I, you know, if the Kings drafted him, I would have no argument for why they shouldn't because he does check a lot of boxes, as Brian has been telling me. He does check a lot of boxes for what the Kings are looking for. And again, watching the Suns and their, their, these wings with, you know, Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, I don't think he's the defender that Mikhail is, but, you know, that's sort of the, the archetype of player that I'm looking at now just watching the NBA finals and enjoying what the Suns are doing with their young wings. Well, I think too, the thing to keep in mind and uh, you almost need to wait three years to make any real judgments of, of yeah. but on these players. And, and I, I mean, and in, in, in all honesty, probably the three we've mentioned might very well be on it. Even if the Kings draft them could be on a different team in three years. Right. Uh, but, but it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it, it, yeah, you just don't know what you don't know yet. I, your your guys, both of your picks, I think have a better chance of fitting in the Kings uh, better than my guy would. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt about that. I I just I just like my guy because I like my guy. I think uh, I think he'll find a way to be a really good player in the NBA, and very likely not with the team that drafts him. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's uh, which isn't unusual either. <laughs> One, one thing I've really enjoyed about the chaos of this particular draft is there is a bunch of guys that I think could really make us all look stupid for not, for not thinking more highly of them. I, I think of uh, James Booknight. I think of uh, like, he could very easily be a star. Jalen Johnson being another guy, Josh Giddy, all these guys that were not really, I mean, even Zaire Williams, like they have a lot, it's a lot of risk involved mm-hmm. in them and they could be available as low as the twenties, but could be as high as nine, but every single one of those guys, could absolutely embarrass the hell out of us for not talking about him more, for not seeing it right away that this was the guy that was going to be the star. And there will be one. Oh, there will be uh, more than one. I mean, it made, you know, every year. I mean, it's, it's, 
Hey, uh, Dana Kupo, Jokic, uh, yeah. Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. I mean, uh, you just go on and on. I mean, that's, uh, hey, Middleton. I mean, you this this final series is full of those guys. Yeah. And uh, yes. so, of course, and that's why I say anybody that is convinced they're a total expert, only thing they're an expert on is, is kidding themselves uh, <laughs> yes. uh, because it's a crapshoot uh, more so than ever. Uh, but I, but I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why the number, you know, at nine, you may get a, you can get a star. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and, and it may, and, and quite honestly, maybe the guys you mentioned, Hey, at, in, in within a short time frame, just like Halliburton proved to be better than a bunch of guys that were supposed to be better than him. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that can happen again. And that's, if the Kings take the pick, that's what you got to hope for. I just hope they. Yep. Uh, I just hope they don't. I hope. They... <laughs> <laughs> I think that even if the Kings draft the perfect player for them at number nine, there's still going to be a guy at seventeen that that's going to be better. You know, I even think of Sharif yeah. Cooper or Kai Jones being another guy that has gone from as high as nine to I've seen him mocked as low as like thirty-two. Mm-hmm. But somebody is going to be a star that the King. The, I get to talk about three years from now. Like, why didn't the Kings take this guy? Even though I'm not talking about him now, three years from now, I'm going to be really upset that the Kings didn't take the guy that I had no idea was going to be good right now. Well, you know, it's just like I mentioned before, uh, Precious Achua. I mean, there's a guy that was available late. And uh, now I don't know how much better he's going to get, but really it'd be, I'll be surprised in, in Miami if, if he doesn't get to be very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, uh, they've just got everything in place there. And the only thing I, the final thought is, uh, Kings forever. I apologize uh, if I didn't get your guy. I don't want you just to hate me forever because there is a slim chance I could be right. There is a slim chance. I just want you to know that. It's probably damn slim, but there's a slim chance. Uh, Jerry, why don't we go over now to uh, to the Reynolds wrap up? What do you have for us today? Well, uh, I was just you know just thinking about the you know, the playoffs as much as anything. And, and to me, what has struck me is that the, the big center, the great defensive center pr- protecting the basket has become very uh, invaluable. I mean, less valuable, mm-hmm. you know, from Rudy Gobert, who we saw got quite honestly exposed, uh, Zubac, uh, Brooke Lopez, who's a good player, but, the idea that you can afford to have somebody on the floor that can only guard the basket and not really get out and guard the wings and the perimeter, I think in today's game is really scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I probably like Rashawn Holmes more than most and like Miles Turner less than most for those, for that very reason. Uh, but, but I, I do think more at the upper echelon, now you, you know, you want those guys on your team, but I don't know if you want them as 30 minute guys anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, the, the great center that can, or, you know, like an Adetta Cooper who really is a center who can play everywhere and defend everywhere, or even uh, Joel Embiid who can at least has uh, some movement mm-hmm. uh, to him, <laughs> at least has some movement to him, can get out and play guys a little bit. So I guess that's, that's kind of a thing that, that I never, really thought I'd see to where the, the great shot blocker rim protector has become less valuable than he was 20 years ago. 
Well, for everyone here at uh, the King's Herald, I'd like to thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, if you so, uh, if you so wish, please uh, like, rate, and subscribe us wherever you find us on your uh, on your pod uh, on your uh, on your phone on your podcast. And uh, and thanks again for listening to another episode. We're excited for the next couple of uh, couple of weeks. We've got some some great guests coming up, and uh, as we as we break down the draft a little bit more for you. And uh, as always, um, stick with us, and we'll we'll see you in two weeks. So thanks very much on behalf of uh, Jerry and Tony. We'll uh, we'll see you soon.